Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, you got to sleep in a little bit later than you did last week. Isn't that, isn't that fun? Did you love your extra half hour? For those of you who weren't here last week, we did a single service, which meant that the 11 o'clock hour actually had to be here at 1030, which most of them did really well. A few of you, I noticed, watched from home, which is absolutely fine, but we're glad to see you in person today. We are in week 22 of a 52-week series called uh, Core 52. We're looking at these core messages of Jesus. I've explained this enough that many of you are like, okay, we get it already. How many of you guys are still tracking? If you're not, it's all right. It's all right. But if you are, raise your hand. Okay, we've got some back in the... Excellent. Thank you for tracking along. Listen, here's why I encourage you. If you've got the book, the readings are really short and manageable. And they give so much more perspective on this than I'm going to be able to do in a message. Plus, it's someone else's perspective on these verses that I think is always very helpful to hear from other people. So this week, we are learning about the golden rule. How many of you guys know the golden rule? Uh, someone say, tell the golden, say the golden rule to me. Okay, very good right there, Darren. I would have had, I, at, at the uh, 9.30 service, I had a little map, and I gave it away to the person who said that. I would have given you something. You would have won it at 9.30. Okay, good. <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, so we've been looking at this, this series that Jesus preached. He preached a series as well, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he covers so many different aspects of what we described several weeks ago as a journey into a new place, a kingdom. And we remember we opened the map up and we said, hey, the, the way you read the map um, determines how you understand this new kingdom. You got to get the map right. You got to read the map correctly. And Jesus says, no, 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 you got to understand it like this. And, and as we looked at the map, we understood that the rules are a little bit different here than they are normally. Um, in this place that Jesus is leading us, this new kingdom, the, 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 the blessedness comes when you suffer. The happiness comes as you mourn. And if you scratch your head and go, I, I'm not really sure what you mean by that, then I encourage you to pick up a Core 52 book and read that, read that chapter in the book or go back a couple of weeks and watch the sermon. It was really good. If I have to say that myself, I will. I thought it was a great message on the Beatitudes. The week after that, we talked about morality. We talked about how we live. Some of us grew up in, in religious cultures where how you behaved and what you did affected your standing with God. And, and Jesus says, that's not really what righteousness is all about. Righteousness is really about discovering the heart of God behind these rules. So, so we act a certain way because God, God's heart beats that way. And as we, as we walk in the path that Jesus leads us down, we're learning who God is and becoming more and more like him. Alan preached a couple of weeks ago, on prayer. And on this journey, he reminded us, we are not on our own. We have a constant companion with us. The king is traveling and journeying with us through the kingdom. He is right there beside us. But instead of this king being like, oh, great king, Lord of the universe, which he is, Jesus says, hey, as you're journeying with the king, you know how you can, you can talk to him? You can talk to him as a son talks to his father. You can say, Papa, Dad, our Father who art in heaven. 
Last week we looked at money. And this is just a reminder that our Father, who journeys with us, has also packed our backpack. We have everything in that backpack that we could possibly need. He supplied all of it. It's all his, and he said, here, I'm going to put this in your backpack. You've got plenty to take care of yourself and enough to be generous with others. We can be generous and gracious because God is generous and gracious. Now, today we're going to look at the people that we're going to meet along the way. Some will be friend, some will be foe. But Jesus says the way that you, you engage with people and situations has a lot to do with how well you are, are living out the laws of this new kingdom. In Matthew 7, verse 12, he says, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophet. So today, we're going to unpack that very familiar verse, and we're going to let ourselves be challenged and encouraged, and I hope excited by it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this new kingdom that you have invited us into. We thank you for the way that you are, you are right with us as we explore it. You, are, you promise to be right there at our side, holding our hand, giving us direction, places where we're confused and uncertain of the cultures and the language. You, you give us, by your spirit, the, the understanding to navigate this new land confidently. You challenge us also. And this week is a challenge. So we pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart to be receptive to what you're trying to teach. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am a rule follower. We, again, I'm hearkening back to several weeks as we've gone through this. We talked about I'm a number two pencil test taker. Some of you guys are balloon and puppy dog pencil test takers. Um, but I'm a rule follower. If the test says... Please bring a number two pencil with you to the test. I will bring a number two pencil to the test. Some of you are like, whatever I have handy in the rolling around the floorboard of the car, that will be sufficient for the test. That's not me, just so you know that. I, I like rules. I do. I'm unapologetic about them. I like rules. I like knowing what they are. I like following them. I like staying behind the yellow line. I like staying in queue. I like that. It makes me feel confident and assured. However, some rules are just sort of weird. So Indiana, which I think is probably the perfect state, um, <laughs> has some weird laws. Here's one of them, Indiana Code 1975, Section 403. Here's what the law says. You are not allowed to throw rocks at birds unless... It's in self-defense. So here's a bird. I feel like if this bird was coming at me, I would feel the need to uh, enact some measure of self-defense. And if a rock was handy, I would throw it at that bird. And I would be totally justified, and it would be totally legal to do so. So just know that for future reference. Any other birds, I would hesitate unless you have a goose. Geese also are violent and... Um, Mean birds, throw rocks at them if you have to. Here's another Indiana code, Indiana code 14229-1, section 1. You are not allowed to catch fish with your bare hands, so if this guy invites you to go fishing, say, no, I am a legal, upstanding citizen of the state of Indiana. I will not go fishing with you. 
How about this one? Uh, Indiana Code 25-20.5-1-23, Section 23A. You are not allowed to go see a hypnotist without a referral from your licensed primary care physician unless you go to quit smoking or to lose weight. And then it's absolutely fine. So if you are have an appointment with a hypnotist this week, please make sure you have a note from Dr. Gerges or just tell people it's to quit smoking or lose weight. Here's the truth. Laws can be weird. Laws can be odd. Laws can be cumbersome. That's why I like simple rules. Let me know what they are, and I will follow them. Don't make them any more complicated than they need to be. I get discouraged, and if I get discouraged, I just throw my hands up in there and say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do here. I just, I just won't go there. Jesus gave us a real simple rule. He says this in Matthew seven twelve. We read it earlier. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We have called it the golden rule. Now, Jesus didn't. He didn't say, now I'm going to give you this rule, and it's going to be really good. You're going to love it. It's going to be like gold, like solid gold. In fact, just call it the golden rule. No, he didn't say that at all. He, say, he gave us this golden rule, our, what we call it, in a greater context. He gave it in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. It's part of a larger picture of the kingdom. We talked about that just a few seconds ago. So here's the greater context of the golden rule. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. It's Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, he says, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? <laughs> None of you would do that, he implies. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, your good, good Father, give good, good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, this sounds a very similar to the great commandment that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This was, this was in, in Matthew as well, where, where a, 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 a legal scholar comes to Jesus and says, so teacher, tell us of all the commandments, What's the greatest one? What's the most important one? And Jesus said, well, it's, it's simply this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He's, he's referencing um, a law that Moses gave the Israelites. He says, and the second one is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Both of these scriptures reflect something wonderful about God. It, it reflects the graciousness and the generous responsiveness of God to those who ask of him. I love that. God is responsive to us. It reminds me that it's, it's all right to ask. If you need something, it's all right to ask. It's all right to ask God. It's all right to ask me. We had a couple here in the church a couple weeks ago sick, and they said, hey, 
I hate to ask this, but if you're out, could you swing by and get X, Y, Z? And I said, of course, I'm happy to do that. Other times, uh, we had a couple who were here at the 930 service. They were sick the last couple weeks too. Hey, I said, is there anything you need? They said, no, 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 we're good. They hated to ask. But in fact, it's, it's perfectly fine to ask. And for those of you who don't like to be asked, it's all right to be asked to do something. Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. There is always a gracious and generous pattern and response to God when it comes to our need. This is how God has always worked. God has always been generous and gracious, even in the Old Testament. Maybe you don't think of him that way in the Old Testament, but he is. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Despite Abraham and Sarah's unbelief, God was still gracious and generous to them. He gave them a son, Isaac, after years and years and years of Sarah's barrenness. Despite Moses' reluctance to go to Pharaoh, stubborn reluctance, mulish reluctance, God was gracious and generous to him and gave him his brother Aaron. He says, I'll let your brother Aaron go with you, and Aaron will be your spokesperson before Pharaoh. Despite Israel's continued cycle of disappointing disobedience, God continually, time and time and time and time and time again, enfolded them back into his gracious and generous protection. And despite the fact that David, I think one of the heroes of the Old Testament, despite the fact that David lusted, stole, fornicated, lied, and killed, God saw his heart and said, this is a guy who who, who pursues and captures my heart. I love him. That's how God is. In John 15, 19, Jesus says, whatever the Father does, 519, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. God is generous and gracious, and Jesus is as well. Think about this. One of Jesus' first miracles was the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law was very sick with a lingering fever, and, and they came to Jesus and says, can you help? And Jesus says, of course, and he rebukes the fever, and the mother-in-law is healed. There was a leper in Matthew chapter 8. The leper comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you are willing, Mark records the same story, and Mark says Jesus was indignant, indignant, Indignant at the leper for asking to be healed? No, 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 no. Indignant that the leper would assume that he was not willing. Jesus is like, what kind, of, what kind of relationship with other religious leaders have you had that you think that I would not be willing to heal you? Of course I'm willing to heal. There was a paralyzed man's friend who, who bring the paralyzed man to Jesus and they say, we know you can, but, but will you heal him? Jesus says, yes, yes, of course, of course I will. In addition, I'll do you one better. I'm going to forgive his sins as well. The synagogue leader whose, whose daughter died, the blind man whose, whose eyes were closed, both of them said, man, could you? And Jesus says, yes, I can. The friends of the deaf and the mute man begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man. And, and was there ever a doubt that Jesus would do it? No, the man's ears and his mouth were opened. The friends of the blind man 
asks Jesus the same thing, and again, his eyes are opened. The man with the demon-possessed little boy, if you can do anything, he asks Jesus, have pity on me and help us. Jesus says, of course, of course. And even when not asked, Jesus sees a need and responds to it. There was a centurion whose, whose servant was paralyzed, and Jesus says, do you want me to come? How about the widow whose son was dead in a coffin? And Jesus and his disciples are going through the town and they see the funeral procession and the woman is weeping bitter tears at losing her only son. And Jesus approaches her and says, hey, don't cry. And the woman looks up. It would have been a very cruel thing to say to a grieving mother. But Jesus then turns to the little boy lying in the casket and says, get up, wake up. And the boy sits up in the casket, and the mother's tears of grief turn to tears of joy. Think about the crowds gathered that morning there listening to Jesus teach. At some point, Jesus' stomach begins to growl, and he goes, Ah, if I'm hungry, I bet everyone else is hungry too. And he turns to his disciples, and he says, Hey, feed them. Think about that. Sir, can you? Master, could you? Teacher, would you? And Jesus, time and time and time again, says, of course I can. Of course I will. Yes. John 14, 13, he doubles down on this. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Because he is generous and gracious. And he tells us here to, to be the same. Be gracious and generous. Do unto others just as your good, good father does. So what does that look like? Well, if there is a phrase that I want you to remember this morning, it's this one. Go where love is missing and light is needed. Can you say that with me? Go where love is missing and light is needed. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, probably knew Jesus better than anyone else, gives us a very clear insight into what this looks like from his perspective. He says in chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Did you catch that? Look after those who are at risk. Here at Sherwood Oaks, one of our, our outreach targets are at-risk populations. So maybe it's at-risk families or at-risk men or at-risk kids. He says, look after those who are at risk and then stay clean and pure. Now, I grew up in a church that really focused on the second part more than the first part. Um, they were pretty good about preaching the, the, the responsibility and the, the need to, to keep yourself clean and unpolluted from the dirt and stain of the world. We talked a lot about what not to do, what Christians didn't do. Well, Christians didn't cuss, they didn't drink, they didn't gamble, they didn't go to bars, they didn't go to movies where an R-rated movie might have been shown once upon a time. Those are all the don'ts. You know, recently, I think it was 
last week, actually, there was an incident. If you know where I live, you know that there's a couple of restaurants and there's a bar now right behind me. And I guess there was an incident with a gun and there was an altercation. A guy was waving a gun around, ran out and dropped the gun in a flower pot on the sidewalk. Now, my little alley runs right there and I've got a couple of flower pots. So I like to think that the gun ended up in my flower pot but I think it was another restaurant's. In any case, I was talking to a couple pastors here in town. They said, listen, this is why we do not live downtown. We live safely out in the suburbs. I said, not me. I go where the danger is. I go where the danger is. <laughs> but the truth is, there is a lot of wisdom in steering clear of places that are stained with ungodliness. You're, you're not likely to be shot uh, when you're just hanging out with good godly friends. Jesus says, don't be polluted by the world. But, but, he also says, there's a lot more to the kingdom and life in the kingdom than don't. He says, the kingdom is more about the do's. Do take care of widows and orphans. Do say yes to opportunities that allow you to help with at-risk populations. Do go where love is missing and light is needed. Jesus says that's the way that you fulfill all the laws of the kingdom. All the rules and regulations are really wrapped up in this one simple little rule. We want to be righteous. I want to be righteous. You want to be righteous. But when personal holiness... <laughs> Listen carefully. When personal holiness becomes our primary goal, we tend to stay away from engagement with the world and with the community. We don't want to be sullied by the contamination of sin. We don't want our reputations to be dented by being seen in some place that someone thinks we shouldn't be seen at. We don't want to leave some place with the smell of cigarette smoke on us or risking someone spilling a drink on us and then we go out spill, smelling like we've been pouring drinks on us. We want to sort of guard our reputation. We want to be seen as upright Christians, holy and righteous. But if Jesus is our example, then think about this. If Jesus was overly concerned about righteousness and holiness, then he would not have come in the first place. Jesus entered a pretty dirty, nasty place. He personally entered the place where love was missing and light was most needed. So when you hear me or someone else say that Sherwood Oaks wants to be the best church for the community not in the community, this idea is tied up in that. We don't want our reputation to take primary place. We want, we want our willingness to go to places where love is missing and light is needed to be our primary mission and calling. What the rest of the community thinks about us is way down on my list, or it needs to be. 
we go where love is missing and light is needed. So one of our values, you can read them out here on the hallway. One of our values is that we want to think like everyday missionaries. Everyday missionaries go (laughs) where light is needed, where love is missing. That's who we are every day. You may be thinking of a situation right now in your own life where light is missing, where love is missing, and light is needed. And if you are, that means the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Listen. Be listening for that. Okay, so this is our whole mission, to go to places where love is missing and light is needed. And that's why John and Trudy, Thorne and, uh, and Flynn and Tina go to the men's warming shelter. They volunteer there. It's why you guys provide food and make some donations for that. Um, it's why we have CASAs who advocate for children in our child welfare system. It's why we come alongside Bertha's Mission at Thanksgiving and other seasons uh, just to help provide food for the community. It's why we support Hope Resource Center and their, their ministry to families and young children. It's why some of our ladies have, have embraced grace and come alongside uh, a young mother in our community who is going through a, a difficult pregnancy. It's why Chris and Bethany Bell, one of the couples in our church, have, have, have become foster parents, pre-adoptive foster parents, meaning that they take kids who are going to be adopted but just need a place to land before they hit their forever family, and they become a safe place for these kids to stay and land until their final home opens up. That's why we're exploring different ways that we can encourage other foster families in our community through a, through a ministry called uh, Hands of Hope. So we've talked about that a little bit. If, you, if you're interested, we're, we're going to be uh, moving in some really positive directions here in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned. We do all this because that's what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 20, 22, 20, I don't know which scripture, I got it wrong the last time. 20, 28, yes. Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. He says, I took up the towel and you take up the towel and serve alongside with me. In fact, if you want to please me, if you want to honor me, then do unto others. When I was about, I don't know, 15, 16, um, we started going to a church that sang all these scripture songs. One of the scripture songs we sang was this one from Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I love the song. It's, of course, a scripture verse, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Act justly. What does that mean? Well, it, it's that whole do unto others approach to justice. Meaning you actively engage to make situations and circumstances right. You know, last week we got a chance, or the week before last, we got a chance to help out a young man in our shelter who was doing so good at getting his life on track. And you guys came alongside and said, hey, we want to help. And so you provided the security deposit for his apartment. That's, that's acting justly. This week, I saw where Connie uh, Clifton had said, hey, some of the guys from the church, some folks from the community come, came and, and cleared my sidewalk and my driveway of snow. 
That's a wonderful thing to do. She doesn't have anyone. She is a widow. She doesn't have anyone to do that for her. These guys stepped in and did it. Maybe you can babysit. Maybe you can mow a lawn. Maybe you can run an errand or, or make a meal for a family. That's what Embrace Grace is all about. I mean, uh, uh, Hands of Hope with our foster families. It's coming alongside those who have no one to care for them and caring for them. Maybe it's using your influence in the community, and some of you have some influence, to give someone who has no influence a fighting chance at a better life. How about the second one, loving mercy. Act justly. We love mercy. Mercy is more than just kind feelings. Mercy is a willingness to commit long-term to someone. It's like a marriage or adoption. It's not just a drop of a dollar in our dollar club bucket, which is a great thing. It's a long-term commitment to someone or something that says, no matter what, I'm sticking with this. How about humbly walking? Walking humbly. And that's the willingness to go the extra mile without getting any credit. To run the race without expecting a t-shirt or a little trophy or a little medal around your neck. At the end of it, to do good without getting any credit for it, even if it comes with great personal expense to yourself. To go where love is missing and light is needed. Now, you don't need to move downtown to be in a place where love is missing and light is needed, even if you live out in Western Hills or over here on the east side of town. Places that are missing love and missing light will find you. People that need to be loved and need to be shown light and kindness will find you. They find you because God will direct them right to you. He will bring them to you. And you'll say, I don't know if I can do this. He goes, I wouldn't have brought them to you if I didn't think you could. Here's the deal. When we love others like that, when we do unto others, Jesus says, you're getting to know me better. You're getting to know the Father better. Our relationship is getting stronger. So this week, will you go where love is missing and light is needed? Remember, Jesus did. Jesus saw our need and didn't distance himself. He came near. That's where we get the, uh, the name Emmanuel. It simply means God with us. This morning, as we share in a time of communion, we remember that Jesus came to a place where love was missing and light was needed. And he invites us now, as followers of him, to do the same. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your word that challenges us. I love those comforting passages. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? But Lord, those challenging verses are as valuable as the comforting ones. The ones that say, hey, if you want to know me better, then take up your cross and follow me. So, Lord, this week, as we encounter situations that need love and light, we pray that we would not shut the door on that. We would not close it down, but we would say yes, just as you did. As we take the bread and the cup, we give thanks to you who came near to us in our dark and loveless state and loved us and brought us into your glorious light. Amen.